Welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester, UK. And coming up on today's show, we are welcoming back the fantastic author and music reviewer, Nigel Cartner, ahead of his annual book signing at the Trafford Centre. And as he prepares to write the third book in his lost in Manchester series. Welcome back to the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world, online. You're joined by me, Ruth O'Reilly. Delighted to be keeping you company. Here at award-winning All FM, they call us the real voice of Manchester. And my real voice of Manchester today is the amazing author Nigel Cartner. He is an author that lives the life of a rock star in his own right and we've got him on the show today to celebrate his Christmas book tour for Lost in Manchester found in Vegas and we're also having a bit of an update with him because we did have him on last year. He is now in the process of writing his third book and it meant that he went on another tour um, of America to do that down south New Orleans way. So we're chatting to Nigel about that. We've got some of his selection of favourite music as well. have some of his selections starting off with Elton John and Rocket Man. She packed my bags last night, free flight Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. my wife It's lonely out in space On such a timeless flight And I think it's gonna be a long, long time to touch down Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me again. It's really good to have you back on the show. We first spoke to you um, last year about your two books, Lost in Manchester, Found in Vegas, and Lost in Manchester, uh, Touring America, I think it was. Um, yeah, I think it was just before the second one got released, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you seem to me to be um, a bit of an author now that's making this into a bit of um, a tradition to go on a bit of a book tour in the run-up to Christmas. Yeah, it's something that I've kind of always done anyway since the first book got released. I was fortunate enough that I met someone who got me into uh, the book signing kind of game, really. Yeah. Uh, Going around to WH Smiths and, and, and whatnot. Uh, and I've just kind of carried that on. Uh, for me personally, it seems to be the best way for me to get my book out there. I know a lot of people, um, you know, they, they, they use Facebook ads or Amazon ads yeah. or any other kind of social media platform. But um, I don't know, it's just never really worked out for me. And I just feel more comfortable just getting out there and actually speaking to people. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you know, just face to face and meeting them and, and selling the book that way. And are you actually um, an indie author? Because I, I chat to a lot of indie authors about how difficult it is to, to promote their books. So are you actually an indie author? Are you with um, a publisher as well? I'm, uh, I'm an indie author. The first one was, was through a kind of hybrid publisher where they kind of got involved and they helped out a little bit. Uh, but that company then kind of downsized what they actually did. They just became a book printers right. instead. So I, just, I still went with them anyway, but they didn't 
do as much as what they did with the first book. Ah, I so. see. Yeah. But the thing is, it's off the success of your first book, Lost in Manchester, that you then decided to actually do a sequel. And now it looks like this is going to turn into a trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure whether I would have written the sequel if I wouldn't have had the good response from the first one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it gives you the confidence when you're getting the good feedback uh, to carry on. And it's the same with the third one as well. Um, by all accounts, the second one is meant to be better than the first one. That's not for me to decide because yeah. I think I'm too close yeah. to both of them. But, uh, yeah, it's given me the kind of inspiration to, to carry on and, and, and kind of conclude this trilogy. I think after this one, then, I'd have to move on to a completely different story altogether. Oh, wow, a completely different one. Well, to me, yeah. Nigel, you've become a bit of um, um, a, an author living the rock star life, the, a rock star author in a way. Your book is all centred around music, and that was your original passion uh, as a writer, wasn't it? It wasn't really to be a novelist, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I've always had a, uh, like a close connection and interest in music, and I did a bit of work within it where I was, you know, reviewing bands, interviewing bands for fanzines, and then yeah. I kind of got involved in radio as well. So I had two radio shows, one which was kind of promoting more uh, the newer music around, and then another one which was kind of you know, harking back to the to the golden age, really, you know, playing like a lot more classics. Okay, yeah. Which did you prefer though? You mean being a novelist or working in music? No, which, which genre of music, like the the new music or the older stuff for your oh, radio it's, shows? It's yeah. It, um, I, I'll probably say the new music because I think you kind of got a little bit more appreciation for that. Okay. Um, I think you know with with bands who send you the music, you know, desperate for a little bit of airplay. Yeah. And then you're telling them that you're actually going to play them, then. Uh, you know, you do get a little bit of a buzz from that, you know, from oh, like, yeah. you know, obviously they, 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 they would then promote the show and, you know, and, and help you out that way. Uh, obviously, if I'm going to be playing like a Rolling Stones track, they're not even going to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. There's something about the, the magic of, of radio and you're the first person to get that track on and sometimes seeing the faces as well as it's played in the studio because I've, I've done that for quite a few, so I know what you mean about that, yeah. Yeah, I think another thing as well, it's when you kind of get given um, like a track or a band and you don't know how big they're going to become and you're playing them at their, you know, like the first single really. Start, yeah. But you, you kind of hear something in that where you think that they're going to end up being like pretty big. And that's happened with a few bands as well, the likes of uh, the DMAs who are oh, massive yeah. now and uh, the Slow Readers Club as well who are a Manchester band and, uh, you know, they, they've gone on to become like absolutely huge as well. But it was just like kind of cool to to be there at the ground level, really. You know, when you just get the the first single and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, these are really good. I'm going to play them. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's actually been the the inspiration for Lost in Manchester touring America in some respects, wasn't it? Because that was more about a band. Absolutely, yeah. And and the, the weird coincidence with this one is that I actually met that band for the first time on my first day on the radio. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so we've got this weird uh, this, this weird connection, and I'll tell you a, a little bit more about that as well, about this weird connection, because there's this exact date, it was the 9th of March, so when I was invited to come into the radio uh, station, it was just like as a guest spot on someone else's show, where we had 10-15 uh, minutes where we are talking about gigs, and we are talking about uh, like three bands that we could promote each week, you know, kind of like a gig of the week, yeah. and this band, Mohawk Radio, they were local to Stockport, 
uh, at the time and they were there as well uh, to be a guest on that show okay. and we got chatting to them and you know I, I got quite friendly with them as well and then over the, the next few years um, you know like my friendship with them just really grew and I reviewed them loads you know I had them on my own shows mm. a couple of times and then funnily enough when they went to America they asked me to come along and kind of like blog about it um, oh, wow. so to actually go to America with them yeah, yeah. So there is actually a true story of 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 the book that I've actually written, which is obviously not a bit more based on fiction. Yeah. But but I, I did all these blogs around it as well. So uh, that that is actually documented on my website uh, on njcarter.com. But the weird thing about that though, the day that we went to America was the 9th of March, three years to the day after I actually met them. That so is it was just, just like this incredible. really crazy coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that shows a lot of trust that they actually had in you doesn't it to say they're like you know we want you to be the one that's documenting the the events of our first tour in America oh yeah I mean it's just testament to like how, how good friendship I got with them but it was always a dream of that uh, to me, of mine. You know, have you seen the film Almost Famous, where oh, we go, yeah. he goes travelling with uh, with the band, and obviously that's based on a true story, and yeah. that's something that I always wanted to do, and I never thought I would ever like get to experience something like that. So the fact that I did it for you know two two and a half weeks, and uh, just on their developmental tour, they had like a band, they had, they had a, a label from Los Angeles interested in them. Okay. Uh, and it was kind of like geared around that, you know, where they would end up in Los Angeles and meet this this record label and discuss the future, really. But they played a few gigs on the way. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was just amazing to just to have that experience. And did you meet any other, like, popular bands or record producers or anything while you were over there? Did you just, like, really stay tight-knit with them? No, unfortunately, I, I didn't actually meet them because there was a couple of times where we had to... Because of the... the, 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 the uh, logistics and the cost of it there was a couple of periods where we had to be away from them and come back and meet them somewhere else and we actually had to leave a couple of days before um before they did and that was while they were in la and i think they met a couple of people who were i won't say they were massive but i think they were recognizable faces in like you know the film industry and yeah. stuff like that um i do remember the mets you know, you've seen Borat. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 it's not Sasha Baron Cohen. It was, you know, the guy who's with him for the journeys, like yeah. the big guy. Uh-huh. I know that they met him because there's a picture of him in this in this bar with him. So uh, I think it's yeah. like that kind of level of fame. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, that that is still something. And I guess as well, it's like what you're saying about the times when you weren't with them and stuff like that. It actually sounds like that kind of um, triggered your imagination about what else could could have happened in between. And so that makes it a nice blend of reality meets fiction. Yeah, definitely. Um, Because when they actually told me about this, I was I was well on with the first book, but it had not been released yet. Mm. And I actually had to change the ending because I got the idea that this is going to form another book because it's it's too big of a of an opportunity and too big of a trip where I could just let it you know just just, just be part of memory. Yeah. I have to get something else out of it, and I actually had to change the ending of my first book so that it would fit in nicely with how the, the second one came along. Oh wow, okay. Well, that that is really interesting, and I think uh, as well, it looks like as if you've got like this. Um, serendipity on your side it's like serendipity where you've gone from not really 
knowing that you wanted to have a radio show to then having a radio show to just being a music reviewer to then being a novelist? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, <laughs> I think like fifteen years ago, you know, I was just I was just a bit of a dreamer and never really like thought what what could happen if you just apply yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, initially, I always wanted to write a script of of some sort. It was it wasn't really a novel. Oh, do you mean like for for like a, a screenplay or something like that? Because you, your books do have this kind of, I would call it like cinematic in a sense feel. It's like you you can really um, imagine and picture all the imagery as you're describing it. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I always wanted to go because you know like there was this kind of screenplay idea, and and I'd say I'm more influenced by film and TV than I am. Uh, books right. and and I've got this thing about soundtracks as well so mm. I have the music going through it and I think that kind of maybe influences me to write in a way where it does kind of feel a little bit cinematic I've been through the desert on a horse with no 
kind of easier to to write when you've got tracks in mind that you want to in- include does that kind of become part of your imaginative process oh definitely yeah i mean i could be in the car and i can just have my uh like my playlist on and you know on random and, and a certain song will come on i can kind of just link it to a certain scene yeah of like of the book that i'm writing and i'll, I'll have to try and remember it obviously while i'm driving i can't write it down yeah but, um, yeah there is there is that uh, element i always have to have to write with music on as well oh wow okay. uh, just to kind of like yeah it, it kind of enhances the mood and helps like you know the emotions kind of stir a little bit and the creativity yeah because it's like in the the setting you seem to be a very hands-on author it's like you don't just write from your imagination but you've got to experience it as well and that that's why you've decided to go back to america isn't it yeah it was it was one of the reasons it was we, we had um, we had the opportunity in terms of like the holidays were available and we had the money as well saved and um because it had been i think at that point it was six years since our last trip when, mm. would, it, when would it have been 2016 so no sorry seven years uh, it was seven years since we did the trip uh, out west, and we initially wanted to go back out west, we wa- but we wanted to do a different side. So we wanted to go to Utah, Cal- Colorado, San Francisco, Napa Valley. But yeah. with the way the flights are at the moment, it's a little bit difficult. We had to go from London, and I don't think we we wanted to kind of sacrifice a day or two of our holiday by going down to London and oh, having okay. the, you know the like the, the issues of getting down there and getting back after such a long trip. So we had the idea that we would um, just do the deep south. I don't know where it really come from. We just we just looked at a map and we thought, right, where can we get to from Manchester? It was either New York or Orlando. We did New York last year, um, right. and my cousin lives in in Florida as well. So we thought, right, we'll come up with this idea because you know it's not. Yeah, I've always wanted to do the the uh, the Memphis, Nashville, New Orleans scene. And, oh yeah. But right, let's just go, let's just do it, and I'll. Uh, I'll use this trip as kind of inspiration for the third book. Because I, I do remember in the first book the way you were kind of describing, um, like the going from from Manchester Airport to to America, and I felt that that made it a very relatable reading in a way because you could just uh, imagine yourself going going through that travel process as someone from from Manchester. So that that's a nice touch, and it's good that you've kind of stuck with that theme as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a little bit different these days because places are a little bit more accessible and, you know, people do kind of venture further afield. But I think, you know, going back to when we did the Vegas trip, it wasn't that common that people would 
you know, just jump on a plane to Vegas or, you know, to to parts of uh, America. And I think because there is this kind of connection, obviously, with the UK and and, and the US and because it's so far away and we see so much of it on TV, Mm. it's almost like you're living in your own movie or your own TV show by going out there because you see all the things that you see on the TV and... I think you kind of relate to it a lot more, and it's and it's sometimes a little bit surreal to be to be placed in that situation, and that's where you, I think you get this kind of heightened experience and uh, this kind of cinematic kind of you know imagination that's, that's that's going through your mind while you're there. Yeah, but did it you as a as a Manchester guy did this actually live up to your expectations? Did every trip that you've taken to America live up to your your expectations, or was it? disappointing in in any way or even better than you imagined oh absolutely lived up and, and sometimes even better i don't think anything really fell below expectation oh that's um good. i think the only thing that, that, that i got wrong on the third trip i won't say got wrong we had an opportunity to either have three days in new orleans or three days in nashville mm. um and and it was either it was either three days in one or two days in the other and i chose nashville Okay. If I yeah. to, if it, it, but if, if knowing what I know now, I would have rather done three days in New Orleans and two days in Nashville. Oh wow! Well, that is actually interesting. I mean, I know that the Deep South and New Orleans—it's all seeped in amazing musical history. But everyone talks about the buzz around Nashville. So, as as a music reviewer, I could see why you would have picked that. Um, but it's interesting that you would have picked New Orleans to spend more time. What? Why is that? It, that's a very jazzy vibe, isn't it? It is, but there's there's also uh, there's like a blues side to it as well. I think with with uh, with Nashville, um, we found like you walk down Broadway and it is amazing. It is an unbelievable sight that that you'll I've never seen anywhere. It's literally mm. bar after bar after like cowboy boot shop, you know, step oh, wow. shop. Okay. But in in the windows of every bar, there's a band playing and the windows are open and, and you can't walk past like you know ten feet without hearing like some band playing. And they're on both sides of the roads, and there's, there's there's so many of them, there's hundreds of them, and it's an amazing like sight. But wow. it's very very difficult to get around them, and it just makes you want to be there all day. But the price of kind of drinking out there as well is a little bit expensive. Right. Uh, so is that how they make their money? Like, is that sorry? how the ba- is that how the bands actually make their their money instead of paying for like one ticket to see them for a gig? It's just kind of included in the drinks and food. I don't think it is because they actually come around with a tip bucket as well. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not okay. too sure how much the bands are actually being played. Wow. Okay. Uh, be, being paid, sorry, but yeah, we, we just you know we felt it was a little bit like pricey to be there all day. But you know we were talking the equivalent of about nineteen pounds just for a bottle of beer and a okay. single vodka and 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 soda. Mm. Whereas New Orleans was a little bit cheaper, but. It had this certain vibe on New Orleans that you could see, you can sense why it has this reputation of being very gothic and very haunting, you know, yeah. seeped in kind of like the history of horror and stuff like that. Sure. And um, there's, a, there's a bit of a European connection with it as well because, you know, it's got that history with, with the French and the Spanish okay. as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and again, it was, it was a really unique place because it, like every building just looks like haunting, you know, it's got like, in its actual design, you can you can sense that kind of. Uh, like that like, uh, gothic influence to it all and everything and there's just something about that that I really connected with and plus yeah. there was like a couple of dive bars there as well where I mean I've just got this thing about dive bars where 
again, it probably stems from being, you know, seen on TV and in yeah. film where, you know, sat at the bar yeah. in like a really, you know, dimly lit place <laughs> and the jukebox is on. Yeah. And I love that side of New Orleans because there's, there's, there's a lot of places which are like that. But the music that was on there was stuff that I didn't even know when I was just randomly playing bit like bands that I didn't know which had this blues connotation and yeah. I was just I didn't even know what I was playing but I was shazamming all the songs and just thinking okay. when I get back this is brilliant you know just <laughs> stuff that I've never heard of before I think as well there's a kind of an, an honesty about New Orleans where it's not all as commercialized as Nashville is becoming more commercial isn't it yeah, well, in Nashville as well, we were a bit surprised because we were expecting it to be a little bit more like, obviously, we know it's not a town, but having that kind of cowboy theme to it, you know, a little bit like yeah. Arizona, but it's not, it, it's it's very built up, it's, it's, it's very much a city centre that, like, you know, as you're approaching it, it could look like you're entering Manchester mm. or London, you know, with all the skyscrapers and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. That is interesting. Did did you meet any more fellow Mancunians um, either between New Orleans or Nashville? Uh, well, weirdly enough, we were in this bar in, in New Orleans, which was, um, I think it's America's oldest bar that has always been a bar. Oh, um, if you know okay, what I mean by that. Yeah. I think there is an older bar, but apparently it changed to being something else and then it went back to being a bar. But this yeah. was uh, actually America's oldest bar that's continued being a bar, and I was uh, I was like waiting to be served, and I hear this familiar accent behind me, <laughs> and I turn round and there was this couple. I said, "Are you from Manchester?" And they said, "Yeah, from Salford." <laughs> I was like, "That's unbelievable." So yeah, from Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> that, that always seems to happen. It's like you know you try and run away from it, and, and there it is. That's absolutely incredible. So, in terms of your next book, is it is it going to delve deep into the 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 musical history of New Orleans? Are you going to stay with the same band, or have you got a new band for your new book? No, it's going to stay with the same band. It's going to be set uh, about ten years after the second one, uh, which by the time it comes out will probably be about the right time scale. Right. Uh, and absolutely, I mean that—that's what one of the one of the reasons why um, doing this trip of the deep south was so kind of fundamental to to the book because it is going to hit on like the musical inspirations because you've got the Delta Blues as well, mm. you know, with Memphis. Obviously, you have got the influence of Elvis as I well ask you around Memphis. Yeah, because you, you got to go to Graceland, didn't you? I was looking on your blog, and one of the places that you did get to was was Graceland. Did you do the full tour of Graceland? Yeah, yeah, we did a full tour. Yeah, the one where you can get well access pretty much all areas and stuff. So, yeah. I mean... I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue just thinking.
Memphis and just like just do the basic tour where you can't go into the actual house itself. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we we did all that and uh, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you got to go and visit the King, haven't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> what what was the? They always talk about the Jungle Room. Is that still? Yeah, everyone mentions the Jungle yeah. Room. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's a little bit trippy. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one I'd like to see. And then the 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 gardens as well. Do they still let you? visit the gardens yeah so like where like a lot of the family's buried and yeah. obviously Elvis himself yeah yeah you can walk around and when we went as well it it, it wasn't that long since Lisa Marie had uh, passed as well oh, but it was only right, about yeah. four weeks later oh wow so that that was actually a, pre- a pretty cool time from the journalistic element wasn't it to just kind of capture that emotion yeah yeah definitely um, you know because you could see how there was more flowers laid around Lisa Marie's uh, grave than Elvis's, you know, with it mm. being um, like pretty fresh as well. Yeah, and she actually followed in his musical footsteps, so it's all kind of connected still. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, weirdly enough as well, we saw the adverts for um, Daisy Jones and the Six while we were out there, okay. because Riley Keogh's the, 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 the lead singer in it, isn't she? And obviously she's Elvis's granddaughter. Yeah. So we watched that when we come back, and that was like a bit of added inspiration as well because that, like I've read the book of that, and it was absolutely fantastic. And the the series has done the book by you know it uh, it it it, it closely matches it, and it's you know just as good as the as the read. Oh wow! So it sounds like you went there at just the right time. And in terms of the band that you're featuring and stuff like that, have they um, been touring New Orleans at any point? I think they went to New Orleans once um, about maybe a year or two after the initial trip that okay. we did. Um, and all they did North Carolina. Um, mm. I don't think they did anywhere else. They've not done Memphis or Nashville or anywhere in Florida, anywhere like that. But the band are not together anymore anyway because the the lead singer, um, she married, well, she's from Bermuda and she married the guitarist and they've moved to Bermuda. Okay. So the band has, it's not, it's not like they've, 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 you know, had a disagreement and stuff. It's yeah. just logistically, they, they just can't be together. So maybe one day when they come back over, they might, uh, they might do a couple of honorary shows.
on, give me more. Pull me closer in, feel the skin on skin. I want you here tonight. This is so dynamite. We're so going love. Look into your eyes, sweet as lullabies. Made my dreams come true with all the things you do. Electric kiss my lips, electric fingertips. We're so going That's a great excuse to not be together to have moved to Bermuda. <laughs> yeah, she moved, she moved back home, yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. Okay, so in terms of this third um, novel that you're working on, when do you think it will be ready? Well, I would probably say within a couple of years. You know, it's, oh, it's in quite a couple a of years, yeah. okay. Because you're taking yeah, I mean, your time the with the details. The authors, we've got day jobs and, yeah. you know, and whatnot, so... It's quite difficult to find the time, and I'm, I'm hoping once this run of book signings is over and we get Christmas out of the way, and when January comes, I can start to give it a good go and you know get back on with it. You've really um, taken book signing into a bit of an art form now. You've done it so much. I mean, how how does it get at these book signings? Are you able to actually sign them all like two people, or do you just? sign a, a massive amount with just your, your name and leave it at that no it's i I'm, i just leave it you know it, it's it's blank and then i'm just meeting people like i said it's it's not like people are coming like for me and queuing up or anything like that it's it's far from it it's almost just like being a salesman within the store okay you know you i've got like a little stand set up i've got my roller banner you know my books are there sometimes people will come over you know curious as to what's going on 
yeah. most of the time I just probably annoy people and just <laughs> like kind of like get in their faces a little bit. But, but it is <laughs> but I'm always polite. It's, it's a great kind of um, technique for for selling your books, and I think as well, you know it feels like it's a bit of a brand you've turned this into a brand it's got its logo it's like lost in manchester found in in america it's it's like um a, a logo and maybe a, a franchise and at some point the way you've actually written this like screenplay if someone was to approach you was that something that you you would be all on in for for it to be turned oh, into a screen absolutely i mean that's the ultimate dream really um you know i'm I, People could, you know, think like, "Oh, I'd love to be, you know, traditionally published and go down that route." Unless you get hired, you know, like taken on by one of the big companies, I'm not too sure how beneficial it, it really is. Because I think a lot of them expect you to do your own marketing anyway. Do they? Which is, okay. which is essentially what I'm doing anyway. But um, yeah. yeah, I think if if I was approached by a film, come, you know, like Netflix or anything yeah. like that, then I would absolutely jump at the chance. That would just be. You know my absolute dream and i know i know people say that you know when but when they try and make movies or tv tv series out of books it's not always the same. Like, to the same yet but i yeah. don't think you would care <laughs> no we would like, care if yeah, the price is right <laughs> of, uh, of someone wanting to take it on and make it into a film i'd be like do what you want <laughs> yeah so sell the rights to it sell sell the rights to it um yeah but something else that i really wanted to to ask you nigel was where do you feel mo- most at home now? It's like, d- did you actually used to feel a bit lost in Manchester because you were so immersed in the TV coming over from, from America? Did that mean that when you went over there, that felt more like home? Or does it still feel like as if, oh, I've been to America, but it's great to be back in Manchester? <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, the reason for the, the, the lost element of that story, it was because, like, very similar to my own life, it was much more like I wasn't really happy at home. You know, I, was, yeah. I wasn't I was in, like, the best of relationships and career-wise I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do and I got stuck into a bit of a cycle of gaming as well, you know, on a PlayStation. And yeah. It was kind of like that realisation one day that what am I actually doing with my life? You know, when I, this was when I was in my like mid to late 20s mm. and it was, it was almost like, right, this is what I want to do. I want to try and get into music in some way and I want to write something. And it was just getting myself into gear and then I kind of found myself that way and that's where that element of the story is. Okay. So, one thing that I will say is, and my girlfriend's agreed with, with me on this one because she's been with me on both trips as well. Is she's the one that inspired you to write the first novel, wasn't? Is she like um, a teacher? She came up with a title. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she obviously she, she encouraged me as well. Uh, you know, obviously when I when I was starting it. Yeah. But um, we've, we've both agreed, and it was the same on the trip that we've just taken as well. There is a weird feeling of home when you're on the road. And yeah. it's very, very hard to explain. When you're living on the road like that, where, you know, you're just flitting about from from place to place, you've got the open road in, th- in front of you, you're living out of a suitcase, you don't really care how you look or what you're wearing because you're just absolutely, like, immersed in this kind of, this, this travel experience. Yeah. It is one of the, the best feelings that like, I could ever describe, and it's just... It's like this feeling of complete like, liberation yeah. where nothing matters and it's like, this is what you do now. And because it goes on for so long as well, I mean, even though it's like two and a half, three weeks or so, it feels like a lot longer because you're doing something different every single day and 
okay, it might not be reality, but there is a weird feeling of home about it. Yeah. Well, I did actually, that was why I asked you that, because I remember from, from reading the other books, I just kind of got this feeling like, he's really at home now doing this, it's it's what he was he was meant to be doing. And then I just thought, well, how does that relate to how maybe he feels about, about Manchester now? So, yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. Would you always stay with this kind of genre of of music, um, of writing, sorry, where it's like documenting and then weaving it into a, a more personalised story? Because we do get to feel like we're connecting and getting to know the main character. Yeah, that's a good question. There is something that, there, is, there are ideas that I want to do where we're a bit more closer to home, you know, maybe a Manchester-based story. Yeah. There is another story that I want to do, which maybe flits around between all the different places that I've been to in Europe over, like you know, the last twenty years or so, uh, bringing in all the experiences from that. Um, So I do think there will always be that maybe that travel element to it, and certainly like a music, uh, a music point of view. I think that's kind of it's almost like my home right now. It's because people like I love that the fact that there's a soundtrack in it. So I don't think I could write a book without a soundtrack to it now. (laughs) <laughs> and you're going, you're going to write, you're going to have a soundtrack to this as well then. It's going to introduce us to lots of New Orleans music that we wouldn't be aware of, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm thinking with the third one, because obviously a bit, it's a bit more commercial. Well, it's, it's completely commercial with the first book. Um, but the second book is probably about 90% commercial uh, commercial songs. But with the third one, I want to do a bit more of a mix. You know, I want to kind of maybe bring in a lot more of the the more unheard of uh, bands, so to speak, because yeah. there is a lot of great music that comes from that region, and obviously there's like this real burst in country um, in the UK at the moment. Obviously, it's always been there in America, mm. um, which I'm actually really into. You know, it's not it's not necessarily a typical country, you know, that we might have been used to. There's almost like a darkness to it and a little bit more kind of uh, rock to it as well. Okay. Uh, the likes of bands of, yeah. like Chris Stapleton, for example, he's one. Luke Combs is another who's doing massive at the moment. And the thing is as well, by you actually introducing these artists that we may not really know that well through your book, you're actually going full circle, aren't you? It's like you're kind of doing what you were doing in, in your radio days, but doing it through the novel instead.
Telling myself it's not as hard, hard, hard 
yeah, I think, I mean, that's that was always the idea with Mohawk Radio as well. You know, I, w- I would have loved for this second book to have ended up being massive and someone to pick up their music because even though the, the band name in the book is not called Mohawk Radio, mm. uh, they're called Cutthroat Shambles. Oh, yeah. All the actual songs are, and, you know, the, the, uh, the description of all the songs are exactly how they are as well and they're all listed at the back. And, you know, and I, I, you know I hope that one day if something happens with the second book, uh, that would actually have to be written into the contract if it did end up being into a film. It would be you have to use their music. Okay. Like, that would be the one thing that I will just be saying, you know. So, you know, it, as long as, you know, if, if I'm a success, then it would all be down to them. So they would deserve the rewards as well. And I remember that you did um, a launch for one of your books. I don't know if it was the first one or, or the second one, but it was actually at a kind of um, a rock venue, wasn't it? Yeah, I've done I've done big launches for both of them. The first one was at Two Three Five Casino in Manchester. Yeah, that was I it. mean, obviously because of the Vegas theme, it kind of fit, it, it fitted that one. And we did have um, two acoustic acts, and Mohawk Radio actually played that gig as well. They played a, like an acoustic set. Oh, wow. uh, unfortunately, when the second one got released last year, it was when Mia and James were over in Bermuda, so they couldn't come back for it. But yeah, we hired out Lions Den which yeah. is on Dean's Game News. So mm-hmm. it's, it was actually next to 235 Casino, actually. And, uh, yeah, we had a few bands playing. We had a covers band playing, like, a lot of rock songs as well. So we had that theme of, like, a lot of, like, ACDC and Creedence Clearwater Revival, like, bands that you would play on the road just to kind of, like, yeah. hit on that kind of subject matter. Yeah. What, but what you're actually doing with all of that is you're, you're creating, like, an immediate experience for all the potential readers and the fans already of of the book and that's kind of brown uh, groundbreaking isn't it it's not really stuff that other authors are doing right now yeah i don't know of anyone else who's had uh, like book signings quite like i do yeah. and uh, i think there's, there's people who are asking me like for about the next book launch yeah. and i don't think it's because they want to read the books i think they just want to have the party yeah they want the experience <laughs> yeah yeah but it seems Which to be uh, yeah something a little bit different like there's people at work who are i work with a lot of younger people as well and when i when you know, i was promoting the fact that i'm doing this book launch a lot of them looked at me pretty funny as if to say like why would i want to go to that thinking it was just going to be in some quiet room in the back of a library somewhere yeah and i was like no no this is going to be like an all-day affair the book's about a rock band touring the the, the launch is going to be it's going to reflect that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you because y- your day job is so different from your job as an author and stuff like that. What what do people think about you having almost like this, this other life in a way? Um, I think, well, like I said, I work with a lot of younger people and I think I think there's a certain generation that got a little bit lost regards reading. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I don't think it, it's it's not like um you know if I was turning around and saying I was in like a band, actually probably wouldn't even a, a rock band probably wouldn't even have the same effect anymore. It, it'd be something like saying I'm a grime artist. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that would have an effect on them. Or if I was like some YouTuber, right? Or, okay. You know, some influencer. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that that's a sad way that the world's going. Really, you know, people. People are more impressed by if you've got about two hundred thousand people following you on YouTube than if you actually write a novel. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's uh, similar to like a, a little bit of the same mindset of you know a lot of the people that I work with. I won't say the company, but it's a very young, energetic, fra- thriving uh, business, <laughs> very well known. Well, <laughs> I get I, I get what you mean. I think the thing is, you you take 
fantasy to reality in a way you seem to to blend it very well and some of the um music that you're researching and writing about and stuff like that well that would have been a totally different experience to the way music is created these days say especially when you go down the the new orleans route and stuff like that yeah i think i'm probably gonna have to do a little bit more research like when it comes to writing the uh the third one because it was almost like with the way that the, the second one was written you know, quite a few years ago. Uh, well, that's what it was based on. Yeah. There was still a few of the, the old way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, but times have changed so much in the I last, know. you know, like for yeah. five to ten years that, you know, I'd probably have to do some research to make, research to make sure that I'm hitting on the right kind of time period, you know, and I'm not still like, yeah. stuck in, in, in an area that's, that's really moved on in relation to the the time scale of where the where the book's set. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's interesting, and you do take your your research to the to the nth degree by actually going to these places as well. So you know that is um, amazing. What I like as well about what you're doing is you're writing about rock stars, and you are actually kind of like living the life of a bit of a rock star by touring. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of build it like that a little bit on my, on my social media, you know, saying like the, the, the book signing tour and stuff like that. And, mm. um, it doesn't feel like a rock star, trust me. <laughs> you know, you're studying WH Smith for eight hours a day and, you know, just like trying to talk to people. Like, like I said, it's, it's, it's like a glorified salesman. It's like an <laughs> RAC salesman within a Tesco's or something. You're, you're, <laughs> said, you're very humble. a little humble. bit more interesting to sell. <laughs> you're, like, you're, you're being really humble about this. But for other um, aspiring authors that are listening to this, how difficult is it to get a, a gig into book signing at the Trafford Centre and stuff like that? It's actually relatively easy. I, I think the difficulty is, and, and I was guilty at this at the start, It's it comes down to the author's um, confidence, really. Right, okay. Because, I mean, I, I meet a few authors who come to, who come along to the book sign. Well, they're not come to see me, but they tell me that they've, they've, you know, they've got a book out there. Yeah. But they all say, like, I couldn't do this. I couldn't I couldn't stand here and do this all day. And I was like, but I thought I couldn't as well. But I give it a go and just kind of took to it a little bit you know i think i think it's different if you were there selling something for someone else you know oh, okay. like if you were a salesman for another company yeah because it's pressure um, isn't it yeah but i think when it's something that you've created i think you talk with with a, a different kind of passion yeah because people can see it's, it's yours if it's not like you're trying to sell something you know for costco or something like that and you've got a you know, got a little stand somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah um i think there, there is a difference you know, people have said, have you, like, would you go into sales for, you know, for another company? I'm like, no. Because no. <laughs> I don't. Now, everybody, have you heard? If you're in the game, well, then the stroke's the word. Both far and wide 
Yeah, but I think as well, there's almost something like, whoa, this must actually be a good book. This actually must be a book worth reading to say that he's gone to the, the bother of, you know, creating a banner and a stand and he's travelling all over. There must... I need to read it. I think it actually, it, it's almost an unspoken element, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do believe in it. Um, you know, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think it was good. Yeah. I do understand that it is not a, it is not a, like a typical genre. And there are many people out there that, you know, are, are interested in it and, and probably won't like it. And that's absolutely fine because, you know, we've all got different tastes and, 
if this guy, and you know, if everyone did like this kind of genre, then the charts would be flooded with it. What genre but, actually is it, though? I, I, no. <laughs> I don't really know myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. In sometimes, again, talking about freedom, it's kind of good to not be in a particular genre. I think obviously it's relatable to to Mancunians. I think you've had people from further afield read it as well. Anyone that likes music is going to like this. But I think it's something about the coming of age story as well. There is something we can all relate to about feeling lost and totally in need of a different environment to to see how we evolve, which is what the book is about as well. So it's it's kind of self-development in the kind of a way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, ultimately, that that is like you know the the the, the main kind of like focus of the story. And all right, you know, with the first one, you've got the kind of the noise of Vegas and the lads trip and the gambling and what you do in Vegas. You've got all that going on and everything. That's to provide like you know the scene and the humour, really. Yeah. But ultimately, it is about a lad who's struggling, and it's about him trying to move on. He's trying to you know move on with his life he's trying to get on he's trying to get over his his, his ex-girlfriend yeah he's trying to find some sort of direction in life because he's, he's he's just not interested in his job and it's ultimately like all right it, it's i'm not telling everyone that you need to go to vegas to do you know to find yourself yeah you got to find your I'm, own I'm, version of vegas but vegas exactly, is fun yeah, <laughs> yeah and just, but but the, the message is, is is still the truth it's you will come out of it the other end because uh, that's exactly what I did. It's exactly what happened in the book, and that part is truth. You know, you will get over it, and you will move on, and you will, and you will move on to pastures, pastures new, and pastures better as well. Yeah, and sometimes for that to just be there in a book, as opposed to someone like saying you must get your head down to this, that, and the other. Sometimes it's actually better. So that there's more to the book. I remember reading it and. Yeah, there was laugh out loud moments and there was moments that kind of really tapped into the psychology of the situation. So in a way, it's it's just something to approach with curiosity when you read it. That That's how I perceive it, at least. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, but one of the main things that people ask me, yeah, is that, I mean, the, my main kind of um, buyer are kind of like uh, middle-aged women. Okay, that's lot, interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people... Who, I mean, that's like the main kind of WH Smith kind of clientele, really. Okay. And do, a lot of people do come in and they do say to me, it sounds like a lad's book. Yeah, and I, I am very quick to, to say, with. you'd be very surprised, actually, because, uh-huh. I mean, admittedly, I did think it would be a lad's book, but yeah. it's not. You know, I found that a lot of women love it and the more, more feedback I get is from women... And all right, I'm not saying it's for all of them, but you know, if people want to take a chance and they want to read something a little bit different, you know, that's not in the rom-com section or celebrity biographies or a food book or a thriller, you know, anything, something yeah. a little bit different that you don't necessarily see on the shelves, then I think it's a perfect book to take a chance on. Yeah, it it touches on on romance, but in in a different way. It's good to get into the the. The, the mind of uh, of a guy it's it, yeah it really does have a bit of everything was it I you? do actually hit on that as well yeah. I always say if you want to get into the mind of a guy being open and honest yeah yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just really true. <laughs> yeah so, so there's lots that, that you can get from it was it your own personal idea that you'd go into WH Smith's then did someone suggest that to you no, it was. I was actually really, really lucky that uh, about two or three years before the first one got released, I was in the WH Smiths in Berry. Okay. Uh, just on my own, I was. I think I was buying a writing magazine, actually, funnily enough. Yeah. 
and um, there was a guy in there who was doing a book signing, and, and I didn't even see him. It was it was the um, the lady behind the counter who said, "Oh, it's like because I bought a writing magazine," and she pointed him out, and I didn't even see him. <laughs> so I got chatting to him, and um, he was called Michael Nags, and he, obviously he's an author in his own right. He's got four books out, all part of the same series, all about like crime fiction uh, around like the local area as well. And we got chatting, and we've just been you know we've been friends ever since, and. As soon as my first book come out, he said, right, now you have to get into the Wake Smiths and sell it. And he just told me how to go about it.
wow. difficult, really. Just, I mean, all I have to do is just create an account with them and approach each store and organise a day. I mean, WH Smiths are really receptive to stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they can be very helpful, yeah. So it, it just is... happened that way. I, and I, like I said, before the book came out, I had no idea that I would be doing that. Uh, now it's like, you know, it's how I do about 99% of the sales. <laughs> wow, but you, it's available on Amazon as well, though. Like, it's great for people to come and meet you in person, but like, you can get get it through Amazon as well, can't you? Yeah, it's, it's available on Amazon. I think the first one's available for a few more different uh, online places. The second one's only available on, on Amazon, or both of that are you know, available through myself as well. Do, will WH Smith stock the book standardly for you, as only on the days that you're coming to do the signings? They have done in the past, but I think because I'm an indie, I, I think they've had a few people buy them over the last six years or so. But um, I think with kind of the current climate, I don't really think they do it now. They might, they might take the odd couple, but I, I used to ask all the time. Uh, yeah. But now I've, I've not even really bothered because right. I don't know. I just think because like there's that many, there's that many books on the shelves and mine's just like you know no one knows who I am. No one's going to go and searching for me. I think the best thing for me to do is just sell them on the day. They probably think uh, that you're famous though because you've got all that because you've got your banner and stuff. They probably do actually think that you're famous. And for for, for other authors listening, do, do you have to pay W H Smith a fee for that? They actually take a yeah. The, they take a percentage of the sales, but all the sales will go through their tills as well. So right. you know you don't have to worry about that side of things. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I was looking at your um, social media and I saw that you did um, a book signing in some more adventurous places as well. Because it's not all Manchester these days, is it? You go all over the the northwest and even to racecourses. Oh, um, at Haydock. Yeah. I was in, yeah, I was in Haydock on Sunday, yeah. How, how <laughs> um, was that? Is that kind of a, a meeting a, a genre that's receptive to what you do? It really is, you know. I, really? I, 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 did a couple of, I did a couple of craft fairs in the early years and it wasn't really that good. I, I was pretty much just breaking even, like, for how much it cost me during the day. Yeah. But I found, about this, I found out about this specific company that do these different craft fairs. And uh, I went to Bolton uh, Stadium last year. I'm not too sure what it's called now because it's changed names that many times, and yeah. it but the football stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I expected to do like a certain amount. I thought if I, if I do ten copies, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. And I end up doing about I think it's about twenty twenty nine. Oh wow. So I was absolutely made up with that. So I've I've booked on again because I'm there again on Sunday. Right. Uh, at Bolton, and I, like you said, I did the same company did Haydock, and I was there last week, and again it was it was really good. Um, I'm not sure good. what the difference is between other markets. I think it might have just because it, it might be because it's an independent one that they only throw them up every so often. Yeah, uh, and they do bigger venues as well, so it might be to do with that. Well, there was that gambling element in the first book, so maybe you should try at casinos another time. I don't know how that would work, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, I thought about doing that, doing something within two, three, five casino. Uh, I'm not really too sure how it would work, but yeah, main uh, thing is to get yeah, some of the winnings off the people. <laughs> yeah oh wow okay um so it's been great to speak to you today nigel do you want to quickly let people know where they can next meet you on your tour and how they get your book otherwise yeah so i'm going to be in uh altrincham wh smiths on the 9th of december all day and then the bolton football stadium on the 10th uh and then after that it will be the 
Oh, it's the Thursday and Friday before Christmas, so that'll be the 21st and 22nd of December, and that'll be in traffic centre wow. all day. There is a slight chance, though, as well, that I might be moving the Friday to the Wednesday, uh, but that'll be on my social media anyway, if that changes. Okay, so anyone that's at the Trafford Centre at that time, look out for you. And it's a very busy time at the Trafford Centre those days, isn't it, really? Yeah, brilliant. that's why I'm doing it again. I took a chance last year. Uh, you know, I took a couple of days off work and I thought I'm going to do Trafford Centre for two days, see how it pans out, obviously, because it's probably going to be the biggest, you know, part of Manchester regards Christmas shopping. Yeah. And it really is. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it was, uh, I think it actually broke my sales record as well last year of how many it did in, in one day. Oh, wow. So that's why it's worth going, yeah. Yeah, I remember um, interviewing you just before it and we were playing your... Um, interview as, as you were actually there, so it's like it was it was simultaneous. And I remember "Horse with No Name" was one of your uh, favourite tracks that time for the soundtrack as well. Yeah, that was from the second book. Yeah, and, and Mia, who is actually the lead singer of the band, she always cites that song as well because there was a part, there was a period of that trip where she jumped in with me and my girlfriend, and that song was on, and it was and we were literally in the middle of the, de- of the desert in Arizona and. It just fit it so well. I mean, that's another thing about these trips. The music, it's kind of like you you kind of see how it was written. You yeah. understand how the Eagles came up with their songs and Fleetwood Mac came up with theirs. Mm. It's, it's just it's weird. You just feel this like, different connection to it all. Well, that's something that I think is missing from the younger generation because it's all kind of, I don't know, taking samples off different places online and stuff like that. Whereas what you're talking about is when you actually immerse yourself in the experience and that's where the lyrics come from. Absolutely. And it's, it was, it's one of the main parts of the trip for me. It's, you know, I, I don't like driving in this country. It's like, it's not mm. something that I look forward to. Obviously, we tolerate it and we have to do it. Yeah. But out there, I absolutely love it. It's wow. just there's something about it when you put your playlists on and you're going through these different landscapes and it's landscapes that you just don't see in this country because obviously it's like, you know, well, especially the one from seven years ago with the desert surroundings and yeah. stuff. Um, you know, I mean, there's just something about it which just makes you connect with it all. That's incredible. So, Nigel, would you ever um, write some music lyrics yourself now that you've like written so, so extensively about music? Is that something that you'd ever turn your hand to? I started off kind of writing lyrics back at uni, right. um, which no one has ever seen but me. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, I'm not too sure whether I would go down that route. Um I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it was a band or an artist that needed any help and came to me, then I would, I would have, a, I would have a go at it. But I don't think I would, yeah, like just do it off my own back and approach someone with it, saying, "Look, I've written these lyrics. I don't know whether you want to use them or not." But oh, okay, who no, knows? Like I said, just... in this last fifteen years, has just been full of surprises. So who knows what's going to happen next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it, it's been great to to speak to you. Um, I just imagine this going from strength to strength, and maybe it will end up being on Netflix and maybe you will have a band singing your lyrics. I think, you know, you've kind of proven that anything can happen within this and you've you've turned around people's perception of what being an author is to how much more it can be. So that's amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not really by choice. I've just kind of gone with the flow, but I, I think you're right. I think there is something a little bit different with what I do in terms of WH Smiths and, you know, the signings compared to a lot of other authors. And when I speak to the people at WH Smiths, you know, the, the, the general, the store managers, they say that they've got no one coming in. 
right, doing yeah. book signings. It's only just been me and the guy, uh, Michael Nags, who you know, who got me into him. He's still he's still on the circuit. Oh, is he still there as well? But okay. Other than that, though, there's, there's, I don't think there's any independent authors who are really doing it to this extent. Yeah, no, you just seem like totally unique with it. And your journey with writing began 15 years ago, you said. Yeah, that was when I kind of got involved with writing, um, like, you know, music fanzines oh, and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, doing the reviews, yeah. But like I said, there was, there was times at uni where I kind of wrote to myself, really, you know, like little yeah. lyrics and things like that. And I said, it, it's never seen the light of day. I've still got the pad somewhere. I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you actually overcame that stage because so many people just keep their writing to themselves. But it's it's good the way your, your girlfriends encouraged you, and now look at it, um, absolutely amazing. So look forward to seeing what's next from you. And is there any other time of the year where where you tour with your book, or is it always just Christmas? No, I, I always do the run up to summer as well. Oh, okay. So I'm usually active between April and July, right. uh, around that time. Yeah. So you know, it's it's with the summer reads really. That's yeah. Uh, you know, kind of how you promote it, and you know, hope that. You know, people, a lot of people do say, oh, I'm going on holiday next week, I need a book, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is a good holiday week because it does take you away into that kind of fantasy realm, you know, of being away somewhere. Yeah, well, I think you should have a word with the WH Smiths at the um, airports and train stations and stuff like that because it really ties into that, that travel element as well. <laughs> I should really try that with, with the airports. I, I did try before COVID and it was actually very difficult to speak to the right person, but... A lot's changed with WH Smith since COVID, so it might be worth putting in another phone call because, yeah, like, you know, at an airport, that'd be absolutely perfect. I have to go through a lot of security checks <laughs> first, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but in the end, yeah. No, no, I think that paper, um, physical paper bookshops and stuff like that, they actually need new creative ideas to keep them relevant and fresh because we hear so much about them closing down, so that looks like it's something that you're... Um, providing so let's see where the journey takes you next let us know when your new book's out as well the third the to complete the the trilogy absolutely yeah <laughs> okay good luck with the um with the book tour and yeah happy christmas as well thank you very much merry christmas to you Ray. <laughs> oh thank you oh thanks nigel you're listening to all fm 96.9 the real voice of manchester
Queen there with These Are The Days. And that was the final choice from my special guest today, who has been the amazing author, Nigel Cartner. So big thank you to Nigel for being my real voice of Manchester today. Just to recap from what Nigel said in the interview, he's upcoming book tour signings for Lost in Manchester found in Vegas and the sequel Lost in Manchester touring America. Both of them are available now and he will be at the Trafford Centre this Wednesday instead of the Friday. So this Wednesday the 20th of December and also Thursday the 21st of December. So if you like the sound of the books I think there's nothing better than to actually get to know the author. So often you pick up a book and it's just like a name by so and so but to actually get to to meet the the author who has spent so much time in writing and promoting it and especially around Christmas it's really good fun so do check out Lost in Manchester touring America and if you can't um, pop on to the Trafford Centre then they are available via Amazon to do support your local artists Santa Claus.